All righty. Well, that should have woke you up. If you're not already awake, did, um, is Mary in here? I was going to have Caleb come back up, and I know some people brought some cards and stuff for him. Um, Brian, could you run and see if Mary has that basket? I didn't double check with her before that, but yeah, so Caleb's last Sunday with us, so I want to thank him for his ministry for the last two and a half years. Appreciate him being here almost every week, um, except for those weeks where he took vacation. We, you know, we let the residents have a little time off as well, um, so it's been good. Just be praying for him as he heads down to Tennessee, and it says, has whatever the Lord has going for him at this point. You know, he's a young kid, so a young guy, so um, his whole future is ahead of him, and that's kind of exciting. I remember being his age, and... Um, Long time ago, my future is not as bright as it used to be. <laughs> so, um, anyways, oh yeah, okay. Is Caleb in here? Yeah, drag him in. Put him on your back. And bring him in. So, ooh, that one has neat little things on it. Thought it'd be nice, you know, to be able to officially thank him and give him the COVID handshake. Hey, we got got something for you here. So, unbeknownst to you, I, I sent out an email and said, hey, you know, if you want to be able to say thanks to Caleb and, um, you know, get him a card. So, we have several cards here for you. Just want to thank you. Thank you. Appreciate you. Love you. <laughs> and, uh, wow. Those are for you. Wow. you. Don't open them during the message, though. Okay. I don't want you distracted. Okay, no problem. So, yeah. Love so, you. family loves you. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Appreciate you, man. Appreciate you. Yeah. That was COVID. We, we sprayed ourselves down first before we did that. So um, anyways, yeah. So make sure you talk to Caleb afterwards and, and thank him for his ministry. Um, so we've been looking at sayings that uh, smart people believe that are not necessarily true. And so we looked at uh, week one, we looked at this idea of forgiving means forgetting. And we said, no, actually it doesn't, biblically speaking. Uh, it doesn't mean forgetting, but how we respond when we remember is key to our healing and, and moving forward. And so um, it's kind of an important um, message there. I think a lot of people were really encouraged with that. Last week we talked about follow your heart, and I came up with this really cool phrase that I should have had last week for you, but it's not smart to follow your heart, you know, or to trust your heart. Isn't that cool? That was... Anyways, so... <laughs> It's not smart to trust our heart. Why? Because our hearts are deceitful and desperately sick. They'll lead us away from God and what He wants for our lives. And this morning we're going to look at another saying. And this one hits, I think, potentially close to home for some of us. And honestly, it's one that makes me a little nervous. Because at times you need to give truth. and But sometimes that truth even though it is truth, isn't, not, isn't necessarily received well. And so my hope this morning, my prayer has been that I will give this truth, uh, which is, which, um, I can't even talk, with as much compassion and urgency as Jesus gave it when he first uh, spoke these words. And when we're talking about these kinds of things, um, I'd like to go right to what Jesus has to say rather than maybe another author of the Bible, even though they're all inspired. But when Jesus speaks on these things, I think it gives it um, the urgency that it needs, um, maybe a little bit more than usual. So go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 23. 
uh, I'm sorry, Luke 13. We're going to start in verse 23. It's at the bottom of page 1040 if you're using the Bible there in the seats around you. And as you do, let me ask you this question. Um, in, in your life, as um, people in your life have passed away, and you go to maybe the, the, the viewing or the, the funeral, and, but you're not really sure where the person was with the Lord, what do you say to attempt to comfort the family? And again, I think a lot of us have been in that situation. I know I personally have been in that situation. One of the sayings that a lot of people will use, including some Christians, is, uh, well, at least they're in a better place. But the question is, are they in a better place? So that's the question, that's the saying that some people believe that Jesus is going to address this morning. And I'm so grateful that Jesus is the one who's going to address it rather than have me do it. So let me just give you a back story to this real quickly. Uh, Jesus has been teaching, and he's been teaching about the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is basically heaven. And as he's teaching about it, the people around him are thinking, wait a second, it doesn't sound like the, you know, the makeup of heaven, that there's going to be a whole lot of people there. You know, they were thinking that heaven's where everybody goes, right? You know, everybody, when they die, they go to a better place than what's on earth. So they thought the same thing, his audience thought the same thing. And so as he's telling this story or these um, parables about describing what the kingdom of God is like, they're starting to think, hey, wait a second, uh, I'm not really sure if, this is, um, if there's going to be a lot of people there or not. Now, if you want to get the full story, Matthew chapter 7 has the, the entire um, story, kind of um, expands a little bit on it, where Luke kind of tightens things up. Matthew expands on it, so you can get a little bit more of that uh, if you want to read that. But they ask him a question, and so starting in verse 23, it says this, Someone said to him, Lord, are there just a few who are being saved? In other words, are there just going to be a few people going to heaven? And here's what Jesus said. He said to them, Strive to enter, enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. Once the head of the house gets up and shuts the door, and you begin to stand outside and knock on the door, saying, Lord, open up to us, then he will answer and say to you, I do not know where you are from. Then you will begin to say, We ate and drank in your presence. You taught in our streets. And he will say, I tell you, I do not know where you are from. Depart from me, all you evildoers. In that place, so that the, when he says depart from me, where they go when they depart, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but yourselves being thrown out. And they will come from the east and the west, from the north and the south, and will recline at the table in the kingdom of God. So the question is, Lord, are there just a few who are being saved? Will there just be a few people who are in heaven? Because the way you're, just, you're talking about it sounds like it's not going to be as many as people as we think are going to be there. So Jesus, in his answer, gives us three truths. And the first one is this. Many will try, but few will enter. There's going to be, everyone's trying to get to heaven, right? But it's only going to be a few who enter. He uses the word strive. The word strive there means to, uh, to struggle or to endeavor to accomplish. We get our word agonize from the Greek word. 
from that. And so he says, strive to enter through the narrow door. So work hard, be determined to enter through the narrow door. Now, again, Luke kind of shortens down Jesus' teaching here where Matthew expands on a little bit. And if you remember from our series 7, which was in Matthew 7, we talked about um, and looked at what Jesus taught about the wide gate or door and the narrow gate or the narrow door. And if you remember, the wide gate meant it was easily accessible. Why? Because that's where... Everyone who doesn't believe what Jesus says about salvation is going to enter through. These are religious people, these are non-religious people, atheists, agnostics, spiritualists, uh, people who don't even think about that there's heaven or hell. Everybody who uh, doesn't believe that Jesus is the way to salvation is going to be entering through that gate. It's wide, easily accessible. Jesus, um, the people that Jesus is talking to, many of them, Jesus is warning, hey, listen, you're in that boat. So you think that salvation is going to come to you because you're, you're Jewish. You're of the nation of Israel. And, and you think that because you're doing this, these religious rituals, that that's what's going to get you into heaven. But that's not what gets us into heaven. It's like the people today who, you know, hey, I, you know, I like going to church and you know, I like the people that are there. I like, I like the music. I like the, the pastor. Okay, right? Everybody likes the pastor. Um, but they like everything about it, everything around it. But tragically, People who aren't going to believe what Jesus says about what salvation is, the end, Jesus says, is death. That's eternity in hell. And it's not that way because Jesus or God likes to uh, put hoops in front of us. He's not up there with the angels looking down and saying, watch this, watch how we're going to mess with them today. He, He does it because He is the only one who can remove our sin. He's the only one who's done the work necessary to have our sins removed, to have His Holy Spirit placed into our lives, to give us spiritual life, and who can take us to heaven one day. The narrow door, that, that's not speaking of necessarily difficulty as it is limited. It's narrow. It's hard to get through. You know, not me, because I'm very thin. Um, But no, it's limited. Why? Well, it's limited because there's only one way through it, and it's through Jesus Christ. And it's also limited because only one person can get through it at a time. It's personal. It's not something like, okay, so since my parents uh, were good church attenders, or my grandparents were good church attenders, that somehow I get to go in on their coattails. It's what I do with Jesus Christ. And so it's limited because of Christ, it's limited because it's for me, but the end is life, eternal life, spiritual life here on earth, where God is providing and protecting and fighting for us, and then eternity in heaven with Him. He says that many will seek to enter. Many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not. Why not? 
Why, why won't these people be able to enter? It goes back to what you're going to do with Jesus Christ. Because there's many in this world who don't believe what Jesus says, um, don't think it's necessary, it's good for some people, but not for other people. Or maybe they, they've taken Jesus, they kind of like parts of him, so they redefine him. But the problem is, to believe that all people go to a better place, the truth of the matter that Jesus is telling us is it's not the case. And that's why he says and urges you who have not placed your faith in Christ to strive, to work hard, to make sure it, it, it happens that you put your faith in Christ. He's not saying work for your salvation. He's saying fight against the, the pressure to do life like everybody else. Man, when everybody is walking through a door, it's really hard to say, hey, listen, everybody, hey, yo, everybody, that's the wrong way. This is the way to go when there's just this little you know, door to kind of get through. And then they're going to be, you're nuts. Everyone's going this way. And that's why Jesus says, strive. Fight against the temptation, the pressure to do what everyone else is doing. And Jesus tells a quick story, and in that we get our second truth. Today is the day to enter. He says, once the head of the house gets up and shuts the door, that's death. At some point, all of us are going to face death. And Jesus is warning us, listen, one of these days, the door is going to be shut on eternity. And you begin to stand outside and knock on the door saying, Lord, open to us. And He will answer and say to you, I do not know where you are from. I think we all get the idea that at some point we're going to die. We don't think about it much, and maybe we think about it a little bit more now with this coronavirus stuff going on. But at some point, that's going to happen to all, every one of us. Some sooner than, late, than later. But right here, Right now, whether you're in this room or you're listening on, an, on a podcast or Facebook, right now we're alive. You're alive. You may not be awake, but you're alive. And I'm alive. And there are some of you who have not made that decision to put your faith in Christ. I know many of you have, but some of you have not. And, and you might like hanging out with Christians. You might come into church and hearing good music. And... But one of these days, that door is going to be shut. And Jesus is going to say to you when you're like, hey, oh, oh, wait, what happened? I don't know where you're from. Now, it's kind of a weird answer, isn't it? It's actually a Jewish figure of speech. It means, I don't know you. In other words, we're not in relationship. I don't know who you are in the sense of relationship. And there's going to be many who are shocked. The day they die, and that door is shut, and they're going to be, but I thought everybody goes to a better place. And Jesus is telling us, He's pleading with us, He's warning us 
It takes a personal relationship with Jesus Christ in order to make sure that you're going to go to a better place. And that's what Jesus talks about here in the third truth. Entrance is based on family, not familiarity. Entrance into heaven, into God's home, if you want to put it that way, is based on family, not familiarity. He says this, then you will begin to say, well, we ate and drank in your presence and you taught in our streets. That's the familiarity part. These people hung out around Jesus even. They, they walked around with the crowds that listened to Jesus. They, they liked hearing Jesus teach. He was, he was a phenomenal, he was like a perfect teacher. He was, that was a joke. He's, he, thank you for the one person who caught it. Um, no, he was awesome. He said, wow, you just can't stop listening to him. They, they liked him. They especially liked when he went after the religious teachers. And so they were familiar with him. They, they may have even known a lot about him. But they never knew Jesus personally. They were in his presence, but they didn't know him personally. Again, they're like many people today. who don't have a problem with Jesus. They don't have a problem with church. They don't have a problem with even going to church, hanging out with other Christians. But if that's where it ends, if that's where it stops, if it's just being familiar and you're not family, then Jesus says the next thing here, I don't know where you're from. Depart from me, all you evildoers. Why would Jesus be so mean? These people were walking with Him. They were hanging out with Him. They liked Him. Why would He call them evildoers? Not trying to be mean. Just speaking the truth. Truth is because their sins hadn't been removed. There was still a barrier between them and God. They weren't listening to the words that Jesus was saying. They were just caught up in His personality. But they weren't listening to the words. And what Jesus is saying, listen, you, you need to have the evil removed. You need to have the sin removed. And we're all sinners. It's not like He's saying anything unusual. You know, we're all sinners. We've all screwed up. We've all made dumb choices. We've all disobeyed what God's word says to do. It's not like, you know, he's saying anything unusual. He calls them evildoers because without Christ, that's who we are. Look how Jesus describes hell. So these are some verses. First point there from other Gospels. So Jesus' teaching from other Gospels. He describes hell as fire, ongoing eternal destruction, outer darkness, a place of wailing, gnashing of teeth, eternal fire created for the devil and the angels. That's what's so crazy You know, when you think about it. Is hell was created for Satan and the demons. It wasn't originally created for mankind. But when Adam and Eve, and then us through them, chose what Satan and these angels chose to do, then that became the place for we who have chosen to do life our way, to, to not obey God. He calls it a place of unquenchable fire, of torment, agony, no comfort, no way to escape. And we know it's eternal, ongoing, because in Revelation, at the end of time, 
It says, then death and Hades, or hell, were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, the book of life is this book that God has. And when a person places their faith in Christ, the name goes in there. And again, it's just for illustrative purposes, right? For us to understand, okay, there's a kind of a book up there. But if they weren't found in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Now, at this point, a lot of people will have, you know, they'll be like, hey, whoa, whoa, wait a second. You know, um, how, can a, how can a good God, how can a loving God send people to hell? That, does, that just doesn't seem like that would be something a good and loving God would do. Well, number one, God doesn't send anybody to hell. They choose to go there. Because there's, he's given a way out. He personally has made it possible for us to have a way out. And he's offering it as a gift. We don't have to pay for it. We don't have to do anything for it except just to receive it. So really, ultimately, we're making the choice to go to hell okay, on our own. But secondly, uh, it actually is very consistent, perfectly consistent with God's perfect love and God's perfect judgment or justice. Now, we love hearing about God being a God of love, right? You hear that a lot. But God also, in his character, is a God of justice. So God's love, um, he's never going to force himself on us. Because that would be abuse or kidnapping or something, right? I mean, if any of us, if you're married, okay, and you, you said before you were married, you grabbed your spouse and you said, you're mine, and you forced yourself on that person, and then you brought them to your house and you locked them in, because that's what you're going to have to do if you're going to force somebody into a relationship with you who may not want to be there. Now you're kidnapping. That, that's not loving. Well, God's the same way. He's not going to force us into a relationship with Him. He wants us to come to Him knowing all that we know, knowing how sinful we are, and how undeserving we are, knowing how unbelievably gracious He is, and the fact that He suffered and died on the cross for us in Jesus Christ. He wants us to go, wow, you do love me and enter into a relationship with him of our own free will. So it's perfect, uh, perfectly consistent with God's love for us that he lets those who don't want to be in a relationship with him have whatever that is. If they say, hey, listen, I don't want a relationship with you, God's like, I, I love you too much to force you. Here's the truth of the matter. You need to make the decision if I'm telling the truth or not. I'm offering it, but I'm not going to force you into that. It's also perfectly consistent with his justice. When, um, when a judge has somebody, if you know, somebody kills somebody, I, I've been reading in about all the fun stuff that's going on in our country, um, which I should probably stop. But anyways... And I've, I've heard that there are some judges, when somebody is in these riots, not the protesting, but the riots, and when someone is in a riot uh, and they do something wrong, they hurt somebody, they hurt a building, whatever, they're arrested, some judges are letting those people go. Now, I think everybody here would be like, well, that's not a good judge. Because what's the judge's purpose? <laughs> the judge's purpose is to judge. So a good judge, we say a judge is good when a judge has somebody standing before them that's committed a crime, they've been proven to have committed a crime, and then the judge sentences them to whatever the time is for the crime. 
And we say, good judge. Same with God. God is the ultimate judge. And when we break His commands, when we disobey His laws, when we do the things that are not how He wants us to do them, then there's going to be time for that crime. And sadly, the end, the judgment, is eternity and hell. And that's why Jesus is saying these words to you this morning from His Word. It's that serious of a situation that we all face. Let's finish out what He says here about it being about family and not familiarity. In that place, or hell, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Why? Because you're going to see Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all the prophets in the kingdom of God, heaven, but yourselves being thrown out. And they, the believers, those who have placed their faith in Christ, will come from the east and west and north and south and will recline at the table. That's an illustration of family in the kingdom of God. The Old Testament, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, prophets, these people, the Jewish people that Jesus is talking to, they knew all about those guys. They revered those, those men because they were servants of God. Those guys are going to be there in heaven. Why? Because they placed their faith in the plan of salvation that God had. All the others that are going to be coming, all these other believers from all over the world, throughout all of time, are going to be sitting around a table. That table is going to be massive. Millions of people will be sitting around this table with Jesus Christ. But when you take that number of people compared to the total number of people who have ever lived or will ever live who have not placed their faith in Christ, this number is going to be very, very small in comparison. And again, Jesus is warning. He's challenging. He's encouraging. Only those who trust Him, who believe that when He died on the cross, He died on the cross for your sin and for my sin. When He rose again, He defeated sin and death so that we could have our sins forgiven and we could have the Holy Spirit placed in our lives who will give us the spiritual life we need to have a relationship with God. And then when we die, He takes us into God's presence. God the Son, Jesus, is speaking these words to you today. So what's our takeaway? Well, let me show you some stats here real quick. Um, 2014, CBS News did a poll, how often do you think about death? 14% of the people they polled said a lot. And maybe today these numbers would be a little bit higher, right? I hope. Um, 31% said some. 54% said not much or not at all. So if you guys are the ones they polled, more than half of you would be like, yeah, well, you know, I'm not really thinking about death right now. I'm not sure how old these people were. Um, but it is kind of interesting, right? I mean, we go through the day, and we've got too many other things to think about. 
rather than death, right? I mean, we've got work and family and chores and I've got some paint that needs to be scraped and windows that need to be, the trim needs to be painted and all that kind of stuff. You know, we don't really think about it. But right here, right now, this morning, as you're here and as you're listening on Facebook or podcast, every one of us, 100% of us, should be thinking about death. And if you're here this morning, I want to be able to, I want and pray that, um, that I'm bringing this as compassionately, but with as much urgency as I possibly can on behalf of Jesus Christ. And then I'm praying that His Holy Spirit would do His work. That some of you, if you were to die tonight, you would find yourself a door knocker and not a table sitter. It's too important not to make the decision today. Right here, right now. And even, even if you're sitting there going, yeah, man, Harold, mm, I just can't seem to, I just can't seem to quite, listen, strive. Take a step of faith. You don't have to understand all of it. I don't understand all of it. I'm incredibly intelligent. If you're listening to this on podcast, people are laughing their heads off right now. Strive. Fight against your own heart saying, ah, yeah, you don't need it. Take a step of faith. If, try it. <laughs> you got nothing to lose. Around here we say it's as simple as, as ABC. Because it is. To move from a door knocker, which I know is kind of weird, but that would be kind of fun. Move from a door knocker to a table sitter, it just takes this. To be part of God's family, is, it's A, admit. Admit that you've sinned. We've all sinned, right? Anybody here not sin? Let's point you out right now, right here. Okay. Now we've, Stan, put your hand down. Stan, I know you. Oh, my word. You're the worst of... No, I'm just kidding. I can have that joke, Stan and I, we go way back. Anyways, so we just admit, we just say, God, I, I know I've sinned against you and I need your forgiveness. I want your forgiveness. And then we believe. We believe what God says when he says that Jesus did all that was necessary. Jesus died the eternal death for our sins, for your sin, for my sin. And he wants to give you spiritual life. He wants to adopt you into his family. That's what the whole family sitting at the table is all about. We could become a child of God. It's awesome. And then confess. That just simply means you have a conversation with God. You confess it with your mouth. You, you say what your heart believes. So here's what I'd like to do this morning. Um, I'd just like to take an opportunity. Everyone go ahead and you can close your eyes and bow your heads. Today's the day, and so I'm, I'm going to throw it out there as an option, an opportunity for you, and I'm challenging you to strive. I'm, cha I'm challenging you as Jesus is challenging you more so to strive. And if you're here this morning, you realize, man, I, I don't, I'm not really sure if I'm saved, or I know for sure I'm not. I, I'm not sure if I'll enter, when I die, I'll go to heaven, or I'm, I know for sure I'm not going to be entering heaven. And you want to make that sure this morning. 
I, I'm willing to, to even lead you in a prayer. Again, it's not the prayer that saves you. It's, it's what your heart's saying to God's heart, but sometimes it's a little bit easier for people. So if you'd like me to, to lead in a prayer and you just quietly will say it your heart to God's heart, you just raise your hand for me. Just put it up. I'm not going to belabor the point. If you want me to, to lead you in a prayer, I can do that. You can go ahead and open your eyes. And As the band comes up, let me just have a conversation with you then who are followers of Christ. <clears throat> we're table sitters, right? Those of us who have placed our faith in Christ, we're table sitters. Not because of anything we've done, but we've, we've made the choice to put our faith in Christ. And the Bible tells us, God tells us, Jesus tells us, that we're going to be table sitters. But here's my concern, and actually we were talking about this as, as pastors at staff meeting this week. So we do funerals. You know, fortunately, I've only had to do one since I've been here, but um, we do funerals. And what we'll do is we'll, there'll be somebody who's passed away. We're not really sure where they stood with the Lord. We don't maybe even know them well. And so we'll ask a family member, a family member who's a, a believer, and we'll like, hey, do you know where your family member stood with Christ. And more times than we wish to admit, the Christian family member would be like, you know, actually, I'm, I'm not really sure where they stood. So our challenge this morning to we who are followers of Christ, table sitters, this week, we need to make sure that we know where our family members Stand with Jesus Christ. We need to have conversations with our spouses. We need to have conversations with our kids, with our parents, with our aunts, our uncles, our close friends, our neighbors. They need to know where we stand. And we need to know where they stand. Because our desire should be that when that door shuts and a decision is no longer able to be made, then when we're sitting around a table, we're going to look across the table, we're going to look down the table, and we're going to see our family members. If they don't know the Lord, we need to let them know who Jesus Christ is, what He's offered them. It's their decision to make, just like Jesus is saying, hey, it's your decision to make. But we have got to make sure that we know where our family members stand and respond to them with the gospel. Caleb?